0: Welcome to another Bible study. We're on Luke chapter 20. I just got done recording a, an old song. Not a crazy old song, but an old song to me. Um, remember, if you go to the fergusonpoetryproject.com website, you can see all the different uh, blog posts that lead you to all the Bible studies. Starting with Luke chapter one, leading to now, which is Luke chapter twenty. There's also a tab for Kingdom content, which is just resources that I've found helpful in my life, that I like to make easily accessible for people, whether they're books, videos, other podcasts, resources, uh, articles, websites, um, anything in the entertainment realm that that's that I felt like has helped me or or uh, been good Kingdom content for me to help me dive. Into my faith deeper to understand more, and uh, to to have. If you're if you're going to fill yourself with with distractions of life through entertainment, uh, why not them be Christ centered um, content? It's less of a distraction and becomes more of a, a growth tool, as opposed to just mindlessly watching Netflix for hours, which we can all do sometimes. So, going into it, we have. The authority of Jesus challenged. Jesus is now in Jerusalem. He passed through Jericho. He met Zacchaeus. He stayed with Zacchaeus, uh, a rich chief tax collector from Jericho who gave half of everything he owned to Jesus in his ministry, along with unfrauding or defrauding the people he had in the past. He made it right, and salvation came to his house and he is also a descendant of Abraham that is mentioned, meaning he was was Jewish, he was of the Hebrew culture, and Jesus recognized this, and in front of all his disciples, he declared salvation for this man. And then there's the parable of the ten minas, there was the triumphal entry, and Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. So after Jesus cleansed the temple, he went in and it said, not, not in uh, this book, but in other books, it talks about him coming in and turning tables, the flipping tables, and uh, making a scene of people selling in the temple that uh, he was very disturbed by or did not agree with at a very spiritual level because it was his father's house. And so we see now the authority of Jesus challenged As he's in Jerusalem. So one day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple and preaching in the gospel, or preaching the gospel, the chief priests and scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us by what authority you do these things, or who it is that gave you this authority. And he answered them, I also will ask you a question. Now tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why did you not believe him? But if we say from man, all the people will stone us to death, for they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they answered that they did not know where it came from. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And so as as these uh, elders and chief priests and scribes, as they're plotting against Jesus because he's, doing what they're meant to be doing to a higher level naturally in in humanity there's envy there's jealousy that overtakes that overthrows what should be logic or 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 the common commonality or the common sense of peace and they throw that away to seek vengeance or revenge against uh, Jesus and and what they build what they choose to believe as, as blasphemy. Then there's the parable of the wicked tenants. And he began to tell the people his parable. A man planted a vineyard and let it out to the tenants and went to another country for a long while. When the time came, he sent a servant to, tenant, to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent another servant, but they also beat him and treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And he sent yet a third. This one also they wounded and cast out. Then Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenants saw him and said to themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that the inheritance may be ours. And they drew him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenants, and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, Surely not. But he looked directly at them and said, What then is that it is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush them. So this is the heir. There's a little footnote that says the tenants had refused to acknowledge an owner by paying rent. And they apparently reasoned that with their heir out of the way, they could establish their own title to the land. Jesus is making the point that the nation had behaved outrageously towards God. And then goes paying taxes to Caesar. The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay their hands on him at that very hour, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. But they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere that they might catch him in something he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly, and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. He said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able, in the presence of the people, to catch him in what he said, but marveling at his answer, they became silent. Sadducees ask about the resurrection. There came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife and died without children, and the second and the third took her, likewise all the seven left no children and died. Afterward the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife." And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well, for they no longer dared to ask him any question. Whose son is the Christ? But he said to them, How can they say that that Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make enemies of your footstools. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And then it says, Beware of the scribes. And in the hearing of all the people he said to his disciples, Beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces, and the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at feasts. Who devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers, and for a pretense, make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And short and sweet is chapter 20. It rocks straight into chapter 21, as that's not the cleanest of breaks. And Jesus looked up and saw rich putting their gifts into the offering, and he saw poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And I'm going to stop there. There's uh, a lot to unpack. Jesus specifically mentioning that poor woman that's, that's leading into chapter 21 so to step back into chapter 20 when the authority of Jesus is challenged instead of hearing and listening they're seeking to catch him they're, they're seeking for him to misspeak to teach wrongly they're trying to catch him in a loophole with the system, with the law. And they can't do it because what he's doing is not paired with the law. Jesus' teachings and his ministry specifically is not tied or woven in to these the politics of this day. So when we step back 2,000 years and the society is, is ruled in this land by, by the Roman civilization just like we have these superpowers today, whether it's China or Russia or the United States. Rome was the authority. The United States has a lot of mirroring representations of what Rome was. We are much more evolved, much more vast, much more powerful than even Rome was. But that's not to take away from the bureaucratic structure. Rome still was very organized. They were a very organized bunch. From Caesar, the ultimate ruler. They didn't have the terms like we do with presidents, but they have rulers who rule for a long time. And when you have Caesar in in the branches down, leading into the governors, we know of Herod over Judea, there's a lot of names mentioned. Pont- Pontius Pilate is is a representation of, of Roman authority. The chief tax collectors are they're they're essentially government workers. That's who they are when it's talking about all that stuff. So the reason that there was so much distraught amongst the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders was because they were tied. They they tied themselves into politics. They tied themselves into the government. They did it with the hopes that in doing so, they wouldn't be destroyed, that they wouldn't be eradicated, wiped off the face of the earth, that they could try to uphold and maintain and continue their rituals, traditions, and religion of the Jewish culture. They wanted Judaism to survive and, and, and keep going. But throughout that process when these religious leaders tied themselves deep into the politics they quickly became corrupt and jesus is pointing that out the temple became a marketplace the temple gave the temple opened its arms to capitalism not that there's anything wrong with that with, with capitalism specifically but it's the reality that spirituality and a life pursuing the will of God—it it is oil and water when it comes to spirituality and politics. Now, for those who find themselves in both, it's it's probably the the most tightest rope that you could ever walk on in this life. But Jesus's ministry is not tied or woven with that, so they are taking issue with that because he's doing all these things outside of the law of Caesar, but he's also not conflicting the law of Caesar. And their envy and jealousy of Jesus and who he was and who he claimed to be specifically, their biggest issue, as they hear rumors of him being Messiah and, and getting confirmation from Jesus himself, that he is who he says he is, which is the Christ, which is the, the, the one who's going to open the doors for all people. Not just Jewish people can be saved, all people, Gentiles, the outsiders. Opening the door from it being this, this cult type of mentality to anybody who is lost, anybody who's a sinner, and which is everybody... But, but giving people a true choice true freedom to choose and that's something that we're definitely losing today and so when he follows up with the parable of the wicked tenants and he's referencing corruption people who are trying to usurp or trying to steal the land of the rightful owner and he's saying you know the pro- it's almost kind of like a prophecy of, of he will come, the owner will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others because they were meant to take care of the property and then they wanted it to be theirs. And that's a direct punch at these Pharisees and scribes who are tied so closely into the politics of Rome and the corruption that it brings and they're pompous walking around like they own the place and Instead of like, God owns the place. And they're just basking in their wealth. They're basking in their comfort of the city. And Jesus is coming in, turning the tables on them. When it comes to paying taxes to Caesar, this is a, a passage that I, that I think about a lot in terms of living debt-free. Because the best way to separate your spirituality from being tied into the system, the, the the only way to truly break the chains of being a slave to the system financially is to be debt-free. If your debt-to-income ratio is beyond what you can control, it's going to take a lot of hard work and prayer and dedication and trust in God to for Him to deliver you from that enslavement. And those who can live debt-free and maintain a debt-free lifestyle and living, you're you're just going to have naturally much more blessings. And and I 100% believe, I believe that with my whole heart and my whole soul, my whole being, that living debt-free and pursuing it, even even if it seems like you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, to, to still pursue it and to still try with, with all your being to, to become and to maintain and live debt-free, to live below your means, because your overflow will be that that feeds the church. Your, your overflow should turn into those tithes. And if you can't give your money to the church, give your time to the church. Volunteer and get involved. And, and show God that you're willing to do whatever it takes to live in His will and not your own. And, and that's the only way that blessings can, and the seeds of blessings can begin to, to take root into the soil, but you have to prepare the soil, and preparing the soil as you choosing, and, and that's something that when we see in the media today, and we see politics, it's, it seems like the politicians and the government as a whole, they're, they're trying so hard to strip people, they're, they want people to live in fear, because fear leads to compliance of even the most radical of demands and Jesus wants us to be free to have choice and that's one of the most beautiful things about following Jesus is that it you're not it's not a demand it's a choice but once you choose there are commands but the command is simple and it's to love others as Jesus loved us it's not to kill anybody who doesn't believe and and convert or die. That's not the message of Jesus. That's the message of other religions. It's not a, this is the, you know, do these things or live this way or eat these foods or make sure you meditate or it's not all these like rituals and routines. It's just love. It's love your neighbor as I've loved you. Worship God and God alone. Avoid distractions, but once again, it's a choice to do it. Jesus does not force anybody to follow him. He just asks. He when he goes into villages and he's performing all these miracles throughout the whole book of Luke. There's some villages he leaves. He he teaches his disciples as it's the twelve apostles, and then he trains the seventy-two that go out two by two into the villages. He says, if they don't accept you, wipe your feet off and leave. It's it's very simple. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful, it's free, it's true freedom. And following Jesus allows you to obtain that true freedom, the freedom of choice. To the reality that no matter what situation you can you can end up in in life, the hardships of life, because life is unfair. Life is not full of justice. It's full of a lot of injustice and a lot of things that aren't fair and that don't seem right, things you don't understand, things you don't agree with. Yet you can still maintain your peace and your joy through it. People like to rag on prosperity gospels, and I am not one for prosperity gospel because I do not believe following Jesus makes you a millionaire. But following Jesus does allow you to prosper internally and it allows your soul to prosper in the form of peace, in the form of joy, and in the form of true, unconditional love. It is not a material. When people try to cross the prosperity of Jesus with materialism in the world, they are walking in the line of the Pharisees. They are walking in the line of the Sadducees and the scribes. and the long- they're, they're in the wrong boat. Is, is all I'm saying. Because the prosperity gospel is not prosperity in materialism. It should always be prosperity in the internal self, in the internal love, internal and eternal love of Jesus. It is true joy and true peace where if you're in a jail cell, you're at peace and you still have joy. If you find yourself enslaved, whether it is physically, mentally, socially, Whether you feel trapped financially, you can still experience joy and peace. Now, when it comes to the fruits of your labors, the ability to tithe, even if you're in debt, you can tithe. You can give to your local church. Even if it's not a lot, Jesus will bless it. And that's how this ends. Or that's, I should say, how chapter 21 begins. Jesus recognizing that that woman who gave the two pennies, it's like if you have nothing or you're in debt and you give anything give a dollar, give five dollars give ten dollars give a dollar a week, give five dollars a week give ten dollars a week, do whatever you can if you can't give your money you really can't and you're, and you're so focused on getting out of debt and so you, so you can be who you're meant to be which is free give your time find the time those who are really blessed can give their time and their money. And those people are not overlooked as well. It's all people who receive and achieve great blessings and spiritual gifts. I don't want to rant too much because the chapter's over, but I really hope you understand what I'm saying, and you take it to heart, and you pray, and you worship knowing That Jesus is the only teacher. Jesus is the only person to follow that can truly give you joy and peace. You don't have to do anything. You just have to believe. You just have to have faith. You just have to follow. Well, I'm tuning out. I need to take a shower. Start my day. God bless.